Welcome to Screen Thoughts with Hollister and O'Toole. Hello there, O'Toole. Hey, Hollister. Today, we're going to talk about how to be single, but before we even get to that, which (laughs) certainly both you and I happen to be single people, so we should be able to talk about this movie, uh, I just wanted to say, we got some great input from last week's podcast. Lalu from Brazil um, had a great comment, I thought, about the Americans. Uh, And, you know, I hadn't thought about this before, but here's what she said. I think it's interesting, she says, to notice how the Russians are becoming a major enemy in TV shows again. Have you thought about it? Of course, the Americans takes place during the Cold War, but the Russians have been the main antagonist and major threat in other shows, too. Think about Madam Secretary, for example. She was involved um, with events in other parts of the world, but the only country that has been constant presence with characters that become part of a long story plot are the Russians. I think that's interesting. The minute she said that, House of Cards was another one that sprang to mind for me. Uh, that's true. They're major Russians, and that we know. No matter mm-hmm. no matter how many generations we are away from the Russians of the '60s, where they were, you know, our only enemy, uh, the Russians always sit on the other side of the fence because they were the other major superpower in our lives, for sure. And every TV show is always looking for the antagonist. Huh. I never thought about that. Interesting. Very interesting. You know, Hollister, as you pointed out last week. We really do have some very smart listeners. I know, right? Exactly. Yeah, screenthoughts at gmail.com. We welcome all your comments and we read yeah, them all. Really, really do. Thank you so much. Okay, now let's, I, you know, I did see a couple of things. I did watch Apatow's Love on Netflix, which launched on uh, last week. And Girls launched Sunday night. And I feel as if, since we're going to be talking about how to be single, I thought we should talk about all three of them at the same time, because I think they're just so interrelated. I can barely discuss one of those things, let Okay, alone well, let, you know, I'll, that's okay. You can just be silent and I'll speak. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> all right, but listen, how to be single. Were you the only person in the theater? when you went? No, I went with two other single people. Oh, there you go. But I thought we should start with three one-liners from reviews that have already come out, because I think it's very, very interesting, and I'd like to just read them off if it's okay. So uh, Katie Reif from the AV Club, she says... How to Be Single suffers from the influence of its older, more put-together sister, Sex in the City, right down to the sappy montage and voiceover it needs to tie everything together at the end. Peter Travers from the Rolling Stone, he said, will someone please get busy and put Rebel Wilson in a movie worthy of her cheeky talents? Then lastly, Nick Shager from Variety says, this awkward hybrid of romantic comedy and ribald girls just want to have fun romp is so scattershot that it never earns any of its eventual heartstring tuggings. So I thought, I just, you know, I had to read off those three one-liners because I felt like it certainly summarized a lot of the things I wanted to talk about as well. Hollister, I read one user review. I thought it was so funny. It said, if you're truly looking for how to be single, do not watch this movie. Just go straight to Beyonce. (laughs) Yeah, Beyonce, by the way, who's constantly talking about how to be single as she's married. Whatever. Exactly. I read another one, too, that said, um, since this is by the co-author of He's Just Not That Into You, And Drew Barrymore produced both movies. Another person commented, this is like, he's just not that into you. And seven years later, he's still not that into you. (laughs) Where are you going? I'm going home. I know breaking up sucks, but you know what's even worse? Wasting a night in New York City. Give it to me, I'm worth it. Let me teach you 
gonna be single. Go get us some drinks. Okay. No, you don't buy the drinks. Boys buy the drinks. Not with this wallet. Okay. With the sausage wallet. The problem with the whole thing was in the writing, and it makes me miss your Nora Ephron. Don't you? Didn't you miss Nora Ephron from you know when I Harry mean, met Sally? You know, painfully so. Uh, For anyone who thinks this is a romantic comedy, not yeah. only did I not find it funny, but I thought, according to this movie, romance is not just dead; it's dismembered. <laughs> and just to put this in context, I am not anti-fluff. I can do fluff with the best of them. It was based on a book loosely, I gather, by Liz Tuchillo, who wrote for the last two seasons of Sex and the City. I loved Sex and the City. This movie, I thought, what does it say about men and women and how we want them to be adults in today's world? Well, I did, you know, here's what I did about the Sex and City connection, because I left thinking about Sex and the City, too, just as the, uh, the reviewer that I mentioned earlier did. And I thought to myself, you know what? If you take the great clothes... And the great food and restaurants and all that stuff out of Sex in the City, it's just as bad. I disagree. In Sex in the City, they at least showed the upside of living in New York, much more so than in How to Be Single. How to Be Single, it was just drink yourself silly, sleep yourself silly, drown in excesses, and then bemoan the fact that um, you don't like the relationships you're having with the people around you. In Sex in the City, I can actually applaud their friendships. I got the sense that those four women were there for each other. In How to Be Single, how these two ended up as best friends I will never know oh my god you need to get out you're in my apartment this is not my apartment sorry you were great last night was I I can't remember but here's the thing I want I want to bring in um I want to bring in love and I want to bring in girls and I think the three things that all that both love Apatow's love girls and how to be single all have in common is loneliness. And that the individual quest to find a partner in life is a lonely trail unless you approach it differently, unless you, unless you approach it as something not that you need, but something that you hope crosses your path. But it's a sad state of affairs, I think, in relationships in that it used to be that you hooked up in your early 20s and you got married in your early 20s, and then you got divorced in your late 30s, early 40s, statistically I'm talking about now. Now, this generation is not getting married. It's getting married younger than the generation before it, but it's not no, getting... later. Yeah, it's... It's getting married later. Later, yes, exactly. And the but the but the crossroads to that point of marriage is being depicted in the film industry anyway as a very lonely road. And I really think that just as Hollywood needs to address its lack of diversity in terms of how it's giving awards and how it's awarding money for making films, they have to address that this is not the only way to live your 20s, you know. And it's really shattering to me that this is how... 20s are being projected. I think we can do better. I do. I think 20s can be the greatest time of your life and it doesn't have to be based on this lonely quest for something, uh, you know, something that seems to be a holy grail. So it made me really sad. It made me so depressed. And for so long, Hollywood has been mired in this marriage plot where they do not know how to show a character arc unless they treat being single as a character deficit and personal growth as someone who's now decided to get married. And this movie was all over the map in where they stood 
on being single. Being single is not a problem that needs to be solved. Well, for some people it and is, O'Toole. For some for people, some by people, the way, it is. No, no. Yeah. Some people don't want to be single. They want to meet somebody. But it's the same way that when you alluded to the 50% divorce rate, for some people being married is a problem that needs to be solved. Okay, but... You know, but I think their appeal... Now, first of all, it was directed by a man, right? It was written by a man. Based on a book by a woman, but very loosely uh, Come on. on so why do they have the man write the screenplay then? Now, by the way, I think women... No, they had five people work on the screenplay. Okay, well, that's a problem too. But the purpose of this movie all comes down to Dakota Johnson, who couldn't carry the role. By the way, I, you know, I when we reviewed Fifty Shades of Grey, I thought she was a weak link. I don't think she's a great actor, and I didn't think she was good in this. I thought that, you know, there was pain... There were painful acting moments when she was interacting with those guys trying to get a drink it was painful to watch her lack of being able to carry off that moment which by the way could have been a comedic moment she can't carry no, the comedy she can't i know hey what's up y'all i don't know why i just said y'all you all would have taken just as much time <laughs> oh my god can i have two margaritas the best thing she did was decorating her apartment, which I loved. The bohemianness of her apartment, I loved. Which, by the way, you can't. There's no apartment like that in New York. Oh, I know. These people had apartments. I that... know they always do. It's right. It's sort of mm-hmm. like the young version of Nancy Myers' ability to make you, you know, whatever house Nancy Myers brings us into, you want to live in it for sure. And I thought that apartment was the coolest twenty-something apartment I'd ever seen. But you know, Dakota. Dakota Johnson can't carry the moment. She does look a lot like Alexis Bledel. She does. Who is also By the way, the camera loves her, and that's why she's getting these roles. But the the girl can't act. She needs some acting lessons. But Rebel is it's a very tough role, and you know I think she did the best with that she could with writing that was just beneath her. It was a celebration of raunch, just for raunch's yeah. sake. It was an abuse of anatomical language. There was nothing original about it. The whole thing I was agree. one big cliche. I totally agree, my friend. All right, but here's something that I loved. You ready? Do you know what it is? About the movie? Uh-huh. Loved, loved, loved. Ready? I love you, baby, and if it's quite all right, I need you, baby. Okay. The song (laughs) from the deer hunter. Okay. No, wait, excuse me. I would just like to point out. It is. Yes, yes, But wait, but let me talk. It's been in quite a few movies Okay, let's just roll through them. Heath Ledger does it in 10 Things I Hate About You. He sang it on a... In a football field, uh, in an amazing yep. rendition of it. And there is a link to it in your blog on ScreenThoughts.net. Okay, Conspiracy Theory in 1997, Julia Roberts sings it while being watched by Mel Gibson. NASA used it as the wake-up for the astronauts. Bridget Jones' Diary, The Deer Hunter, and then, of course, my very favorite singer of all time, Barry Manilow. And I do think that when you bring a song like that in, it just sort of nails it. You know, it's sort of, it just nails it. So the best part for me was that song. There were three things I liked about the movie. I liked the music. I liked the location shots of New York City. Although we never see an original New Yorker in this movie. They're all transplants. And I liked the very stylized end titles with the animations. It was as though the artist from Mad Men did graphics for a classic Doris Day movie. I actually, you know, you'll be so proud of me. I actually stayed to watch only because I thought that there might be something there for me. something for your money. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Now, Mm -hmm. I do think that the whole theme of this, I was trying to say to myself, okay, if you were in English class, what would you say the theme for me was the quest for being comfortable with being alone 
And from that perspective, um, you know, I I thought the en- I thought the ending was silly and stupid. And yet, it's only the very end of this movie where they try to rehab it with a lame voiceover about how it's okay to be single. But the thing about this movie is that there is barely a second where anybody in it is actually single. That's not true. The bartender's always single through the whole thing. But he Rebel is, with is single through the whole thing. Every single night, he's never by himself. No, not, but those are single people. They're not in a relationship. That's a no, single he's in lifestyle. Many relationships. It's not in a relationship. He just wants everyone to last no, until his definition he just doesn't want them to last longer than 12 hours but that's his choice but he's not alone he's not married everyone this movie has somebody they are alone they are alone you know they I live think they're alone drowning they're drowning in excess okay but you know you're you know you say potato i say potato but here's the thing in my mind those are people not in a relationship and I, I would i would you know i certainly think that the definition of a relationship is when you have a commitment to another person around whatever you decide that commitment is in every male female friendship there's total number of drinks four five and if you hit that it means you would definitely have sex if i had more than five drinks i'd hook up with you my drink number is 27. I wouldn't even touch myself on less than 24. I don't think they were bad guys. This is one of the problems with the movie is that the bartender who's so pathologically opposed to ever being with one person for more than one night who has turned off the water in his kitchen. He's afraid so of that intimacy. The of, of inebriated oh women coming through his apartment cannot treat their hangovers with a glass oh, tool, of water. Have you no empathy? I found oh, him one of the most palatable which goes to show how little i liked the others excuse me the man had a fear of intimacy he was terrified and the fact that at the end he turned the water back on realizing that he'd missed out because he hadn't become vulnerable which irritated me as well the same way that it irritated me and he's just not that into you i can't believe i'm defending this i can't believe i'm gonna defend this i can't believe it either but why can't you have one person who just wants to be single and doesn't have to be treated as the way station to bonding with somebody else where you know, you they just say protest too much, my friend. No, 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 that he was showing baby steps by fixing the water situation in his kitchen by turning the water back on at the end of the movie. He, this is my point. It was, it was, this oh is my point. Oh my God. It was a. No, this is my point. Harper Lee passed away this week. Okay, this should Knowing, be a good connection. Yes. Harper Lee, by the way, who never had a relationship with a man other than Truman Capote, and how did that work out? He got angry because she was better than him. So what are you talking about? Created to kill a mockingbird. Now, gentlemen, in this country, our courts are the great levelers. In our courts, all men are created equal in this movie there is no one close to being an atticus finch this book lets there was there's nobody in the world that can be atticus there is no atticus finch any type of adult responsibility but you see that's what makes me so depressed watching this movie too is that to me i thought what does this movie say about our society i did not want to be friends with a single person in this movie (laughs) oh i i did honestly I did. Which one which one would be the best friend to you? Well, I liked I liked Alice although I hated her name. Why did they name her Alice? It's it's just the wrong name. I agree. Name. It was a 
It was. A I kept thinking you were so her. not an Alice. Her, Although I felt like I had fallen down the rabbit hole. Oh, exactly, she was not exactly. An Alice. But it's the wrong name for her. And then her sister, by the way, never bought that they were sisters. They should have at least dyed her hair brown. I mean, they had no relationship. It didn't seem like and, there was any sisterly connect. Okay, so I didn't buy her that. sister was Leslie Mann, okay. Judd Apatow's wife. Right. Why did they not explain why there was supposedly such a big age gap between them? Uh, well, I didn't. I don't think they. You were supposed to think there was a big age gap. And yet, Leslie Mann didn't want to date the male receptionist because she said he's much too young. Well, he for was twenty-two, me, he and let's say been, she was thirty, and he must have been at least as old or older than her sister. I thought. I mean, I thought they did a decent job acting, but I would want to be friends with Dakota. I would want to be friends. You, really? Yeah, I liked her. I liked her as a human being. She was trying to find her way. Trying. I found them all so feckless. They say to create a great screenplay, you need a character who is going to pursue their passion to the nth degree. And whether they make it or they fail, it's an interesting journey to watch. In this movie, nobody had a passion. Nobody really had a goal. They were all just aimlessly wandering around. I'm telling you, the best part of it, the best part of it was every time they went into the apartment, I could look around and say, oh, that's so cute how she did that. (laughs) And I loved (laughs) her sitting on, you know, on the fire escape reading a book. And, you know, I mean, the best parts were these snippets of, oh, you could, wasn't that cute in the spring sitting in New York on a fire escape? By the way, no one sits on a fire escape in New York. (laughs) I know. I know. I know. I'm thinking, okay, this has got to be the worst advertisement for going to Wesleyan, which was her alma mater in the movie ever. I think you graduate from Wesleyan. You can't get dressed without a man. You can't figure out the closed captioning on your TV without a man. I think we definitely established that they're not making women look, look very good in this film. I'm going to say this movie was misogynistic. It objectified women and people in general and blew the romance out of relationships. And I I found it very Well, depressing. you'll be happy to know it's not doing well on, in the box office. That's one thing that actually gives me hope is if it's not striking a chord with people. But I do think that if we look at what's been released just in the last week, this movie love on netflix and then girls on hbo and girls now is exploring you know every it seems like every season they're exploring exploring a different aspect of sex and this season it's clearly going to be masturbation and i can just you know after having seen the first the first episode and i can just say that you know i again the the common theme of what's being released around these relationships you know, I, I think the 70s and 80s when we had When Harry Met Sally and You've Got Mail and Sleepless in Seattle and, you know, least, you know, these are supposed to be rom-coms. I'm like, oh, this is really sad state of affairs. It is. On that subject, however, two things. One is I can see why many people, myself included, would rather be home watching TV than watching It is the golden like age of television. It really is. Because yeah. the characters on TV actually have jobs. It's interesting. It's great dialogue. I ran home from this movie and started watching season two of Younger. Oh, stop it. And just for the record, Younger also takes place in New York City. It is loaded with 20-somethings. It's loaded with relationships and hookups, and it's in a bar. I find it so much smarter and more interesting and has things to say about cultural differences between the generations. 
it does in 20 minutes per episode things that this movie did not achieve in one hour and 50 minutes. <laughs> no, I, you know, I couldn't agree more. There's better TV than there is film right now, for sure. Even on the same subjects. Absolutely. I think that's absolutely true. Absolutely true. It made me crave a show like Mary Tyler Moore or Rhoda, where you can be single in a big city, but have good friends and actually comedic moments. Yeah. yeah. No, again, this is this is a time I feel like we're on the cusp in film when everyone's reevaluating exactly who's making the decisions for what films are going to be made. And I think I'm hoping you know, I, I'm actually reviewing this week the movie Race, which I saw, which is the Jesse Owens story. And I wished we had reviewed that on our on our podcast, because talk about a, a, a movie that needs to be seen and has a place in our society and in our history and in our future. It's the glance in the rearview mirror that will help us as we look through the windshield moving forward. You know, there's some good stuff that can be made. This is not it. And they really need to reevaluate the rom-com. And when we look at the intern in comparison to this or train I'm sure wreck. You recognize Anders Holm in How to Be Single, who I still haven't quite forgiven for being Anne Hathaway's creepy husband in the intern, <laughs> who played the bartender here. Yeah. But you know He was cuter as I, the bartender, by the way. He was much cuter yeah. as the bartender. Yeah. But you know, I haven't yet read Liz Tuchillo's book how to be single. Well, you know what? I I assume you're not going to. Well, the premise actually struck me as much more interesting. They said it's much more of a mashup between sex in the city and eat, pray, love, because her Alice in her book is actually 38 years old. She's not a recent college graduate. She decides to travel around the world interviewing single women about how they feel about being single. And there's something, there was one line in the movie which I thought was interesting. No, this should be good. There was one line, and of course it was created through voiceover, I'm sure, but it was, why do we always tell our stories through relationships? And then, of course, the movie, in my mind, just proceeded to tell the story or lack thereof through relationships. It'd be interesting to know if the author was happy with the movie, you know? Very interesting to know. But it reminded me of Elizabeth Gilbert's book on marriage. And she said something that I thought was so insightful. She said when she herself was traveling around the world asking other women to talk about their lives, she realized that Americans' emotional biographies and I loved that phrase, were always stories of two people. Basically, ending with how I met my spouse, where she realized in other countries, you can have an emotional biography of one being your own person. That's interesting. And I guess what I think about this movie is that for a movie that borrows the same title as the book, How to Be Single, it is not at all a lesson in how to be single. But I wish that there were some kind of intimation of a message that how to be single is the same as how to be married. It's really how to be a kind, compassionate, put your best self forward kind of person. Oh, I think it definitely, the, the theme of the movie was how to be single. You know, Dakota learning, you know, Alice, I can't call her Alice, Dakota learning how to how to be with herself rather than be you know the ad, you know the the arm of a of a of a man. You know, I, I think did it, she did she learn that? Yeah, she did. I think she learned it by just dating men for most of the movie and then hiking up the Grand Canyon. No, beef. You got to be fair. You got to be a little bit, little That's bit balanced here. She did. She did nope. it by by recognizing even when they came back to her, rejecting 
what she thought she wanted because she recognized that it really wasn't what she wanted. And then finally realizing that um, she needed to be alone for a while and figure out who she was and what she actually wanted. And I, I actually can relate to that. I certainly, my first marriage, I mean, I certainly got married because I thought you were supposed to. And then, you know, and I, you know, I, I followed his path rather than my own. And, you know, I, I think that I, I, I look, I didn't like the movie. I thought it was terribly written. I didn't think it was well acted in most of the cases. But I do think that it did. The lesson in it was through Dakota and how to be single. I do. I have to strongly disagree. Yeah. And I found this very it was a disjunct um, when it first starts. And if this contains plot spoilers, I won't even feel bad about it. Um, when they have the cute meet at the very beginning yeah. where it's her first day of college. And again, the same person who doesn't know how to put on a dress without a man drops her towel coming back from the hall bathroom. And I guess is going to be standing there in the hallway with all the other students staring at her completely naked. And this boy walks up and gives her his towel and he ends up completely naked. So perhaps two people who don't know how to get dressed or come back down the hall from a shower. Um, he didn't seem like a bad guy at all. They're together four years of college. He's not a bad and guy. Then, he's not a bad guy. He's not a bad guy until later in the movie when they had to make him a dog, too. He invites her over oh, wait, to his so what's your point? with his new yeah, girlfriend. I mean, yeah, everybody can see it. What's your point on that? I've got, I've got several. He invites her over to the apartment. He can't tell his now girlfriend that this is his ex. He says it's his cousin. And this is all to your but point. But these are the Dakota things that really she, learned? wait a minute, but this is exactly why she was recognizing she needed to be alone, that he wasn't in fact. No, I, I disagree because I strongly got the sense that when he comes to her birthday party, he and she start to hook up again. And I firmly was of the belief that she would have taken him back, except he tells her that he's about to marry Michelle and he needed closure. So he won one last hookup. You know, and I thought that is not true to his character. And I don't get the sense that she learned how to be single. She would have taken him back if he weren't about to get engaged. By the way, if you look at movies as something that you want to evoke reactions in people, I have to say to anybody who's listening to you in this podcast, this movie, you know, I mean, your, your reaction is really, really strong about how you felt about every single aspect of it in a very, very negative way. Well, maybe that's a good thing then, because then the movie brought no. out what you didn't like about what no. some society situations are in today's movies, and maybe that makes it a success no. on some level. I found this movie alarming in terms of what it was trying to message. You know, in the book, they mention that there are more singles in America than ever before. People are getting married later than ever before. And yet this movie even had that maniacal tribe of women celebrating an engagement to be that almost attack Alison Brie at the bar. And the bartender has to come out and rescue her with a princely kiss because, oh, the horror of not being married. And I thought this movie, they were more progressive in 1930. You know, if I had a teenage daughter, I would urge her not to go. I'd pay her a lot of money not to go because I wouldn't want that mirror placed on her in any way, shape, or form. I, you know, it, it, the, the movie has no value in today's society, in my humble opinion. None. This definitely seemed like executives were in a room and said, let's do a mashup of Fifty Shades yeah. of Grey and Pitch Perfect. Yeah. Yeah. Truly, the movie to me that is still my favorite portrayal of how to be single is Auntie Mame with Rosalind Russell. 
Well, that's a sad state. It's very sad to me. You've got to go back to the yeah. 1950s yeah. to find one, but that at least is a happy single person. Uh, it'll be interesting to see how it evolves over time, and I think the more you give it to women to address, the better it's going to be. That's my final comment on this movie and those that have launched at the same time. I have to say that one of the best romantic comedies I've seen recently was penned by a guy, and that would be 500 Days of Summer. Hmm. Yeah, I didn't like that the way you did, though. I thought it was, I didn't, I didn't feel this. It was leaps and bounds yeah. above this one. Even the proposal. Well, by the way, anything has been leaps and bounds above this one. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, I don't, you know, this one I don't think has has any redeeming. I can't really be compared to anything other than what came out at the same the time. The proposal was written by a man. I enjoyed that romantic Yeah, that was cute. Much. But that was a couple years ago, too, my friend. That was a while ago. So we should be making progress. No, well, we that's my point. Is I think that's we're, we're at the precipice of, of how they're going to have to figure out what's next for to how to entertain how to entertain that twenty something single person, uh, how to entertain them and engage them and enlighten them is not been figured out yet by the film industry. They just need to go over to the writers' room at Younger and hire them. Okay. Well, then we're going to send them over on that direction and we will look forward to uh, presenting to you guys next week. 